Well, thank you so much, Mackie and Gail. Wasn't that some great singing tonight? Thank you for that great song. It's so good to see everybody tonight on this Monday night. Glad to have these pastors here. I had no idea that my good friends from Robeline were coming tonight. Brother Brian Ray, his sweet wife Christy, as well as some other members from the church and family members as well. They got a whole row back there. And that's what, about 60, 65 miles, Brother Brian, to get over here? Something like that. And uh, so we need to give them the award for coming the furthest tonight. Amen? And, uh, but I'm so glad to see them. And uh, I love this dear brother, his family, and his church. And I've preached like 13 revivals at his church, seriously, uh, uh, for ever since 2010. Uh, did at least one a year, done two a year the last three years there. And we've had some revivals that went 15 days there, 13 days, 12 days, 10 days. We have one scheduled for uh, April, Easter week, for an entire week, a Sunday through Sunday. You say, churches don't do that anymore. That church does. And uh, anyway, uh, I always look forward to going there. And you all bless me by being here uh, tonight. They are very, very dear friends uh, of mine. And glad to have all these preachers here tonight. The brother back here got to have lunch with him uh, today and get acquainted with him. And I'm excited about uh, his work and how the Lord's using him. And in their church, just not very far down the road, right, uh, uh, from here. But it's good to see all of you tonight. If you're glad to be here this evening, say praise the Lord. All right, well, you know, our theme of this revival is reset, and as I mentioned yesterday morning, uh, you know, as, I'm an evangelist, I'm a traveling evangelist, that's what I do week after week after week, and uh, 90% of the messages I preach are just simple salvation, very direct salvation messages, that's, that's what I do 90, at least 90, 90, 90% of the time, most of my messages are salvation messages directed to the lost, to see lost people saved, amen? But there's also a need for revival among God's people in the church, and that is the intention of this meeting this week, and the whole theme behind it, reset. And so yesterday morning, uh, Lord led me to preach about the sin of lukewarmness, how to know we need revival from Revelation chapter 3 on, on the, uh, uh, the church at Laodicea. And we dealt with that yesterday morning for a spiritual reset. Last night we talked about prayer, how to have a powerful prayer life. If we're going to have a spiritual reset in our life, we certainly need to be men and women of prayer. Amen and to get God's power and his presence upon our life. Well, tonight, as we continue along that theme, I want to speak to you tonight about trust in the Lord, about faith, about trusting him and knowing his will for your life. How many of you say, man, I want to know God's will for my life? Amen. I think anybody would want to know God's will. And so let's, let's turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, and I'm going to read to you uh, what some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. All of you in here are probably familiar with these verses at least. So if you would, please stand with me uh, to honor and reverence the reading of God's holy word. And let's look what it says in Proverbs 3, verse 5. He says, Trust in the Lord, how? With all thy heart. 
lean not on thy own understanding. That's our problem is we like to lean on our own understanding. We like to try to figure everything out and do it our way. That's when we get in trouble. He says, lean not on thy own understanding, but look at verse 6, in all your ways, do what? Acknowledge him, that is the Lord, and he shall direct thy paths. In other words, he'll lead you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we just praise and glorify your holy name. We thank you for this time to come together tonight. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful singing and music we've had tonight through Mackie and Gail. And as we've all been able to sing together and praise your name and worship you. And Father, tonight as we look at your word, we pray the Holy Spirit of God might speak to hearts. Lord, you know every heart that's here. You know every need that's here. If there's anyone in this building tonight that hasn't been saved, that hasn't been born again, that doesn't have assurance of heaven and eternal life, we pray the Holy Spirit of God might convict them and draw them and show them their need tonight that they might be saved before it's everlastingly too late. But Father, I pray for every Christian in this building tonight that you would speak to our hearts as well. And Father, that you would draw us closer to you through your word tonight, that we might experience true revival in our hearts and lives. And we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, these two verses that we just read together are the life verses for many, many people. And they're, they're one of mine. In the King James translation of the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, these two verses, if I counted right, consist of 27 words. Personally, these verses have guided me in a lot of decisions in my own life and in my ministry over the years. I have memorized these verses and I refer to them and quote them often. If you were to come to my house and my living room, my wife and I have a great big old, I guess you'd call it a plaque, uh, on our living room wall above the fireplace mantel with these verses inscribed on them. And you know, often when someone's trying to make a decision and, and uh, they may call me and ask me for advice, I don't know why they call me, but sometimes people do, and they'll call me and ask for advice and they say, what do you think I ought to do about this situation in my life? You know what I'll usually tell them? I'll quote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I'll say, apply these to your life and unto your situation. Because the Lord speaks so clearly through these verses. And these verses are so powerful, if we'll make application of them in our lives, in our situations, it will change our lives forever. Amen? Now, I love the book of Proverbs. And you know, the book of Proverbs is considered to be one of what's called a poetic book of, of the Bible. And it's written mostly by Solomon. While Proverbs is not necessarily a promise, Proverbs is, is not the same thing as a promise uh, always, but it is a brief saying of many words. And they are straight to the point and they are statements of wisdom for someone who's learning to walk with the Lord. I believe the book of Proverbs is for everyday living, don't you? Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, used to every single day teach her five children 
when they were growing up from the book of Proverbs. They said that their mother always kept her Bible open in the kitchen all day long every day to the book of Proverbs as she was constantly reading from it and studying from it. I personally, I think I mentioned this last night, I try to read a chapter of Proverbs every single day of my life. Amen? And I read it through every month and then I start all over again the next month and I read those 31 chapters again the next month and the next month and, and all throughout the year. And I've been doing this uh, for several years. Well, why are these verses so powerful and why are they so popular? I mean, what do they really mean? Well, tonight what I want us to do is I want us to look at these two verses and I, I, I'm trying to think of a title for this message, Richard, and I, I'm just going to call it 27 words that will change your life. 27 words that will change your life. This is a message about faith. It's about how to know the will of God for your life. So what are they? Well, first of all, we need to notice that there is a practice. If we're going to, listen, if we're going to utilize these verses and see them work in our hearts and in our lives and our situation, first of all, there is a practice. How can you know the will of God for your life and make absolutely certain that you're doing the will of God, doing the right thing, making the right choices and the right decisions. And friends, the sad thing is, is that so few believers really know the will of God for their life. Or they may know it and they just don't want to do it. Amen? And a lot of them do know it and they just don't do it. And we need to find his will and we need to follow his will for our life. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, as I mentioned, there's a practice. All right, what is it? First of all, look what he says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. See that in verse 5? You know what that means? That means that you and I are to be fully surrendered body, soul, and spirit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen? Yes. Jesus is Lord. You know, there'll be no revival without the lordship of Christ. I, I believe, listen, I, I believe that lordship of Christ is also involved in salvation. I believe until you accept him as your Lord, you're not saved. A lot of people say, well, you accept him as your Savior, and then someday, you know, as you grow, he'll become your Lord. I believe if he's not your Lord, if, if, listen, if he's not your Lord, he's not your Savior either. Amen. Amen. Jesus is both Savior and Lord. And when you go back and study your New Testament and you read about the early church and early Christians, they always embraced him as Lord. And then after we are saved, we are to live our lives continuously under the Lordship of Christ. Amen? Every day surrendering to his will and surrendering to his Word. And so we've got, to, we've got to trust the Lord with all our heart. We've got to express a full dependence upon him, a complete confidence in him. What does the Bible say in Luke 9, 23? Jesus spoke it. He said, if anyone, if anyone, if any man come after me, let him, what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily. That implies death to sell and follow me. You know what that means? He's saying, you better count the cost before you follow me. There's a cost to following Jesus, friend. Amen? And, and he says, you count the cost. And what that means here is unwavering commitment to him, surrendering 
to his lordship over your life. And you know why we don't want to do this sometimes? Because it's hard to trust someone that we haven't seen. And friend, if you're having difficulty trusting the Lord, maybe it's because you've not really taken the time to know him and love him and draw close to him in your life. Amen? That's what we need to do. Need to spend time with him every day. And you know what that means? If you're going to do that, if you're going to trust the Lord with all your heart, that means you're going to have to learn to live and walk by faith. Amen. Now hang on to your place in Proverbs because we'll come right back to it. Go over to Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews chapter 11. This is known as the faith chapter in your Bible. And man, you need to read this whole chapter if you have never done that. And, and it gives us examples of a lot of the Old Testament men of God. And, and uh, he says in, in Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith, somebody says, what is faith? Well, he gives you the definition right here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Skip down to verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Please God, that is. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So are we as followers of Jesus to live by faith? Amen. We're to live by faith, but so often we don't. Live by faith. And friend, if we're going to trust the Lord, that means we got to exercise faith. Amen? Faith in Him. Faith in His Word. Faith in His power. Faith in His promises. Faith in His leading. What did it say here in Proverbs? Trust in the Lord. How? With all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Friends, listen. We just got to trust him. We've got to trust the Lord Jesus. And there's so many passages in the Bible that we could turn to. So there's a practice that we must do. First of all, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Secondly, he says what? Lean not on your own understanding. You know what that means? That means to the Christian, that means don't make decisions based on the flesh. What is the flesh? That's our old sin nature. You realize when you got saved, you got a new nature? Hello? Amen? The Holy Spirit took up residence in you, and he lives in you. His presence indwells in you. Amen? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, but you still have an old corrupt sin nature. That's Adam's nature. And you'll have both of those natures until you leave this earth, till you leave this life, and they are both in battle with one another. Amen? The flesh only knows one thing, and that is sin. And, and the spirit wants to please God and honor God. And so he says, lean not on your own understanding. Don't make decisions based on the flesh. In other words, on your own ways. The Bible says this, there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Think about that. Friends, I, listen, I've seen some Christians over the years make some decisions that I couldn't believe that they made. Amen? I've made some decisions over the year too that I can't believe I made. Amen? Good and bad. But when you, listen, when you base them on your own understanding as a born-again, blood-bought child of God, friend, that is foolish. That's how the lost world lives. Amen? We're not to live that way. We don't have to live that way. Listen, sometimes God's ways are just good old common sense. 
Sometimes they really are. They're just good old common sense, and it's very obvious what you need to do. You don't even have to pray about it. You know this is just what you need to do. But sometimes his ways may, may seem to you that they're not rational and they're not reasonable, and they may not even make sense to the old flesh, but yet they're of God. What do you do? You exercise faith. You trust him. Amen? You trust in his word, and you hang on to his word. And we see plenty of examples of this all throughout the Bible, friend. Listen, you can't walk by faith if you're leaning on your own understanding. It's impossible to do. I think of Abraham, the story of Abraham taking his son Isaac up on the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice unto God over in Genesis 22. I'm not going to take time to turn over there, but remember that? God said, take your son, your only son, and he was going to be the son of promise. The son of promise, and that would the, the seed of Israel would come would come through. Amen? And a whole nation eventually would be established, and, and he says, now take this son that God supernaturally let them have. And take him up on a mountain up there on Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Well, friends, God had no intentions of Isaac being a sacrifice, but I believe he wanted to see if Abraham would obey him and trust him. And Abraham did because he knew that somehow God would provide a sacrifice. Amen? And if he didn't provide a sacrifice, he would raise Isaac up. Amen? He, he He would take care of him and you and I'll probably never be called on to do something that drastic but yet friend we're still to trust the Lord and we're to stand up on his word and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit every single day of our lives and remember this God will never lead contrary to his word I've seen people before said well I think God wants me to do this and it's spelled out on black ink, on white paper, or red ink on white paper, exactly what they need to do. And they say, I think God wants me to do that. God doesn't lead contrary to his word. Amen? He's not going to go against his will or his ways. And so we want to follow his word. Somebody says, well, uh, uh, if, if God tells me to do something that's not in line with his word, what do I do? That's very, very simple. It's not God telling you. He's never going to lead you against his word. Amen? Somebody told me, well, I had this fresh revelation from God. Man, I had this dream the other night, and this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, okay, maybe God might work through things like that, but I want to tell you, if it, again, if it don't line up with his word, you better be careful. Amen? You better make, listen, the way you know the Lord's speaking to you, it's written in his word. Amen? Amen. Not not some vision or dream or something. I'm not saying God couldn't use that, but the primary way he leads his people is through his word and through the person of the Holy Spirit, all right? You know, when I'm trying to make a decision or I need peace about uh, about something uh, that I'm supposed to do in my life or whatever it may be, I always pray and I ask the Lord to give me confirmation from his word. Now, that's different. Uh, some of these folks just grab, they pick a verse, and they say, I'm going to claim this verse. I'm going to name and claim this verse. Now, God, you bless it. No, you pray and you ask God to give you a verse. You, you ask him to give you confirmation through his word. 
Amen. And I'll give you a personal example. I could give you dozens of personal examples of this, but I'll tell you one. Uh, I went to Ethiopia last May, and I was there for 10 or 11 days, and man, we saw things just unbelievable uh, as, as just thousands and thousands and thousands of people came to Christ and were saved. And uh, it was a week before I was to leave, and I was preaching a tent crusade in Warsaw, Missouri. Well, I'd go out in the morning down on the river, and I'd walk three miles every morning and have my prayer time while I was walking. And, man, i got to tell you, before I left for that meeting, I told my wife, I said, I am in distress about this Ethiopia trip. I said, I am in distress. I had to go get yellow fever shots and all kind of shots, and, and there, there were so many things, and, and uh, Ethiopia was in an uproar. There's actually a war going on there and, and all kind of stuff, and, I, and uh, I felt like God wanted me to go, but I tell you, I, just, I, I, I was just stressed out about it. And I told Annette before I left town, I said, you pray and I'm going to pray that God settles my spirit because I said, I'm having a hard time with this. And, and listen, I've been to India, I've been to Brazil, I've been to Honduras, I don't know how many times, Nicaragua, I've been, I, I, I've been to Guatemala three times, I've been all over the world. I've never had been to Ethiopia, to Africa, and I was just troubled about it. And that morning, I was out on that walking trail, and I was praying. I said, Lord, I need peace about this. I, am ti I need to get this settled. I'm tired of worrying about it. I don't need to worry. Amen. And I need to get this settled in my spirit. And all of a sudden, my phone beeped. And that's when people always try to get hold of me when I'm having my prayer time. Amen? So, hey, you call me early in the morning, I'm probably not going to answer my phone. Okay, but anyway. Anyway, my phone beeped, and uh, I just happened to look at it. And it was Facebook. Now, and it, it beeped that I had a memory from the year before, I think that's how that works, on that day. And I just, I just, for some reason, I glanced at it. I was walking, man, I was getting with it. And I looked at that, and you know what it said? It, it popped up a scripture I'd posted a year before on that same day, and it was Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah 26, 3. Let's look at it for a moment. Look what it says. I'd quote it to you. I think I, I, think I know it well enough. But uh, let, I want to make sure I get it right. So Isaiah 26, 3, you ought to mark this in your Bible. And I already had it marked in my Bible. And it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. I've got, I got 517.21 written over that verse right here in my Bible. You know why? It couldn't have been any clearer if the Lord himself... Had, had, had stood there in flesh next to me. Yeah. That was the Lord saying, I'm answering your prayer right now, and I'm going to use an ungodly method called Facebook to deliver your answer to you. Come on. Come on. Huh? He did. He did. And as the moment I saw that verse, listen, I've been praying for a week, and the moment I saw that verse, man, I, I, listen, all the fears left me, all the anxiety left me, all the worry left my, I mean, everything left me, and I just wanted to shout and praise God. Amen? Yeah. He'll keep thee in perfect peace whose mind is fixed upon thee, who stayed upon thee. And friend, from that point on, it was, I called my wife immediately. I said, well, hey, I said, this deal about Ethiopia, I said, I can't wait to get on the plane. She said, what? 
I said, I can't wait to get on the plane. I said, God spoke to me. She said, did he speak to you? She said, an audible voice. I said, no, he spoke to me through Facebook. Amen? And, and listen, when, when he speaks to you through his word, that's him speaking. Amen? So he gave me that verse. That's all I needed. That flooded, listen, when God did that, that flooded my heart with peace, with joy, with confirmation that I was in his will and it was his will for me to go to Ethiopia and all I need to do is just trust him and leave it all in his hands and that's what I did and God blessed. Amen? And friends, I could tell you so many stories like that. I could take all night and tell you stories like that, how God many times has confirmed his will for my life in a situation through his word. So what do we need to do? We need to trust in the Lord. How? With all our heart. And lean not on our own understanding. But look what else he says here. And back there in the same, he says, in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. Now, Look, but look what he says there, in all your ways. What does this mean? That means every area of our lives need to be turned over to his control. We need to trust him. We need to put everything in his hands. We need to put him first in every area of our life. What did Jesus say? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Amen? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. What, what, what did Paul say over there? He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. And then he says, be not conformed to the, this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that perfect, acceptable will of God in your life. So in all your ways... Acknowledge him. You know why so many Christians do not know the will of God for their life? Because they, they've not done what they do know. Yes. Yes. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't even do what I tell you? Yeah. Man, we go around making excuses about why I can't do this and I can't do it. Why, why don't you just do what you know you're supposed to do? Amen. 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 He'll bless your life. And as you seek his will, he'll show you what else he wants you to do. God's will is always best. Now, some might say, well, now, now, preacher, that all sounds good, but if I make that kind of surrender to the Lord tonight, well, man, he might call me to be a full-time missionary to Africa or something. Well, if he does, go down and get you a plane ticket tomorrow and get on the plane and go. Huh? I mean, he tells you what to do, do it. And, and that's exactly what you need to do if that's what he tells you to do. But for most of it, it's probably not going to be that drastic. Amen? He just, maybe he wants you to walk across the street to your neighbor who you've never told about Jesus and introduce yourself and say, I've been praying for you and I'm concerned about your soul and I want to tell you about Jesus so you can be saved. Amen? Maybe it's something as simple as that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in all in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. I've seen so many Christians before they get in a crisis in their life and they act just like the lost world does. They respond just like the lost world does. Why? Friend, we're child of God. We've got the word of God. We ought not act like the world ever. Amen? 
And we ought to respond with faith. Say, God, you know, it may be difficult what you're going through. It may be painful what you're going through. But you say, Lord, I know you're on your throne. I know that you're in control. And I'm going to trust you to work this out for, for our good and for your glory. Amen? So there's a practice. But secondly, there's a promise. There's a promise. Look at verse 6 again. He says, in all your ways acknowledge him. What's the promise? Look at the last part of that verse. And he shall what? Direct your paths. Boy, isn't that good stuff? That's the promise from the Lord himself. Now, how does he do that? Well, there's, there, there's several ways that he does that, but let me give you the primary ways God does that. First of all, he does it obviously through the word of God. Amen? What does Psalms 119.105 say? It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isn't that a great verse? You ever been out in the dark in the woods? I was out hunting a few weeks ago, and my, I had a headlamp that I usually wear on my cap when I'm hunting, and my batteries had gone dead. And, man, I couldn't see nothing, Brother Brian, walking out of them woods, and I was tripping over there. I had a pack on my back carrying a bow in one hand and trying to get out of there. And I said, man, I just need some light. Amen? Isn't it wonderful when you have some light? And it says that his word is a lamp unto thy feet, a light unto our path. Again, I mentioned earlier, there's some things you don't even have to pray about. They're just so obvious. The word of God spells it out, black and white or red and white. We just need to obey it. We just need to do it. Amen? Another way he reveals his will for you is through prayer. You know, not everything is spelled out for us in the word of God. Who you're supposed to marry, for example, or, or whatever. Their name's probably not written in there. That, that's the one you're supposed to marry. A amen? There's things like that. They're not spelled out for us. But, but listen, we need, the word, we need to pray. We need to read the Word of God and trust God to guide us and direct us. He doesn't specifically tell us on every little detail. And that's why we need to pray. And we need to trust Him, right? Let's, let's look at a few verses on this. Look over at... Uh, well, look over at the book of Acts, chapter 1. I jotted this down earlier. I hope I got this right. In Acts chapter 1, yeah, in verse 24, this is when they were, uh, this was after Judas hung himself. It says, and they prayed, and they said, Thou, Lord, which thou knoweth the hearts of men, show us whether of these two you have chosen. Was looking for somebody to replace him. They wanted the Lord to replace him. Look over at the book of Acts chapter 8. While we're in the book of Acts, ch uh, chapter 8 verse 29, it says, And the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to thy chariot. Remember, it was the Ethiopian eunuch. And he was sitting there reading the book of Isaiah. He was reading chapter 53 where it was talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. And he said, Man, he said, Who's this talking about? I can't even understand it. And, and the Spirit told Philip, Go to his chariot. And what did he do? He went to him and it says he preached Jesus to him. Right. Amen? And, and then while we're over here, look at Acts 13. Acts 13, uh, verse 2. It says, They ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So how do we know? Well, there's a promise. It says he will direct your path. So we trust him. We get in the Word of God, we, we pray. Another way is we walk in the Spirit every day. 
What does Ephesians 5.18 say to the believer? It says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The verse actually says, be not drunk with wine, which is in excess, but be what? Filled, and that word filled means to be controlled under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually the normal Christian life. And friend, when you have the Holy Spirit filling you, that doesn't mean that you're going to do crazy things. It doesn't mean that you're going to hang from the chandeliers in the church and jump over pews and roll in the floor or speak in tongues. Or it, What it means is you're going to be like Jesus. And I didn't see Jesus doing any of that stuff. Amen? No, you're going to, you're going to be controlled by him. It means to be Christ-like. And as you, as you empty yourself out of self and you yield to him and the Spirit of God fills you, and that ought to be a daily thing forever, uh, for each one of us every day, as we're filled with the Spirit, the Bible says we're to live in the Spirit and we're to walk in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit? One step at a time. Amen? trying to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, the fruit of the Spirit will come out of our lives. We, can't, we don't produce the fruit of the Spirit. He produces the fruit of the Spirit in us and through us. Right. Amen? So we're to walk in the Spirit. That's not, another way is, is through godly wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5, great verse. Man, I have, I have to go that verse a lot. It says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. You ever get in a situation, you say, Lord... Man, I, I, I sure need your wisdom in this situation. I just don't know what to do. Hey, we, we, if you haven't been there, you will be there. And just say, Lord, it says your word has told me if I lack wisdom to ask you and that you would supply it, he will. But we've got to trust him. We've got to walk by faith. Amen. And Dr. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, the providence of God what, what's that? God will guide you through life by providence. You say, what do you mean? How is that? Through open and shut doors. Yeah. Open and shut doors. Listen, sometimes God will open a door for you, so to speak, and when he opens that door, you better go through it. Amen? Sometimes you've had something you've been praying about a long time and it's a big decision. You're trying to decide what to do. And you say, man, I think it's going to work out. I believe it's what I'm supposed to do. And God shuts the door. What do you do? Don't go, I'll tell you what not, don't go over there and try to pry the door open. Huh? Don't beat the door down. Leave it alone. God, God shut the door to protect you. He has shut the door to bless you. Amen? And that's the way the Lord leads. Look over at Revelation chapter 3 and uh, verse 8. Revelation 3 verse 8. And look, look what he says uh, over here. Let me get in the right chapter. Revelation 3 verse 8. He says, I know your works, and behold, I have set before thee a what? Open door. No man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and have kept my word and has not denied my name. Isn't that good stuff? Friends, that's how God works. See, you're reading his word, you're praying, you're, 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 you're walking in the spirit, you're trying to be filled with the wisdom of God, and then he'll use providence, things that happen in your life, uh, to guide you and to give you peace and, and to give you guidance and direction. He'll direct your paths. You know what that means when he says he will direct your paths? Literally, that means he'll clear a path. 
That's what it literally means. He'll clear a path. He'll cut away everything, and he'll clear a path for you. That's what it means. It means he will carry you. I can't tell you how many times he's done that in my life, and probably many of you would say the same thing. Amen? And friends, when, when, when you're given over to the will of God, you'll know the will of God. And if you'll trust him in the small things, you'll learn to trust him in the big things. Amen? 27 words that change your life. Knowing the will of God and doing the will of God. So I want to ask you tonight, you need to make a decision. You trying to discern the Lord's will for your life or something in your life, maybe you've got uh, some opportunities and you're trying to decide what to do, what's the next step. Maybe you've got some children that are heading in the wrong path or some grandchildren and, and, and you're, you're praying about them and maybe there's health issues, financial issues. There could be all kinds of stuff. What do you do? Well, I'll tell you what you do. Same thing I got to do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart, not some of it. Lean not in your own understanding. Don't do that. In all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. And then you have a promise. He shall direct your path. Hallelujah. He'll direct your path. Yeah, I found this several years ago. It was probably 20 years ago when this first came out and was popular and probably every preacher in the, in the nation was using this for a sermon illustration or something and, and uh, I found it in a file sometime back. I'd forgotten all about it and uh, I posted it on my Facebook page a few weeks ago, I think, and, but I want to read it to you. It, th- this was found, a uh, pastor in Wanda in 1980. They told him, the authorities there, told him to renounce Christ or they'd kill him. Well, you know what he did? He did not renounce Christ. And so he wrote out his last words on a piece of paper. It's kind of lengthy. And he left it on his desk. And then they killed him. And this was found in his room. And this is what he said. It's called the Fellowship of the Unashamed. He said, I'm a part of the Fellowship of the Unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I am finished, and I am done with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, curlless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goes. I no longer need preeminence, position, promotions, potence, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions are few, my guide is reliable, my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. Can I get an amen in the house? 
He says, I'll not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder on the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Christ. I must go until heaven returns, until uh, uh, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes back for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear. Amen? You know, that's what it is to give your life fully to Christ and surrender to his lordship. When you surrender to the lordship of Christ, you're saying, Lord, it's my life, yours to live. Wherever you want to take me, that's where I'm going to go. Whatever you want to do with me, that's what I'm going to have to do. Whether it be difficult, doesn't matter. I'm going to follow you. Amen? I want to tell you, folks, if, if the American church, if, if we as Christians in the 21st century American church would come to a place of surrender like that in our lives, we would have revival, would break, off, break out across this nation unlike ever. Our churches would be on fire again. I believe we'd have the greatest revival probably in the history of the world, and I believe millions and millions and millions of people would get saved. Amen? So what are you going to do tonight? You're going to trust yourself and your resources? Are you going to trust him? in his guidance, in his leading, in his resources. And just follow him and do what he wants you to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. It's a message directed to the church tonight. It's directed to believers. But you know, there could be somebody here on this Monday night that's, that's never been saved. You, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've never been born again. And you know what I see all the time in America? I see people all the time, I, people that even claim to be Christians, they'll say, well, I believe in God. Well, that's great, but that doesn't make you a Christian. That doesn't mean you're going to heaven. In fact, if that's your answer, you're not going to heaven. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not a way to heaven. He's not even the best way to heaven. He's the only way. You've got to come through him. You've got to come through his blood. You've got to come through the cross. You've got to come the narrow way. And that's through Christ. Just saying you believe in God and living a good life, being a good person, hell is going to be full of millions and millions and millions and I believe billions of people just like that. You've got to come to Christ. And how many of you here tonight would say honestly before God, well, I've been saved, I'm born again. I, and friend, I'm talking about having a life-changing experience. I meet people all the time. They'll say, well, you know, I walked the aisle at the church when I was 10 or 15 or, or whenever, and, uh, and, and I prayed and I asked the Lord to say, that's good, that's all good. But the question is, has your life changed? The way to know that you're saved is you've got a changed life. I didn't say a perfect life, but you'll have a changed life. Amen? 
And you'll have a compassion for the things of God, a desire for the things of God. Friend, you need to have a no-so salvation and not just a hope-so. How many of you here tonight would say, I've got a no-so salvation. If I drop dead right now, this moment, I don't think I'll go to heaven. I don't hope I'll go to heaven. I know I'll go to heaven. Not because I deserve to, but because I've received Christ into my life as my Lord. If you could say that, point a hand toward heaven and thank God that he has saved you. Because he's the one that saved you. He's the one that's given you eternal life. It's his finished work on the cross. Amen. God bless you, each one of you. You can put your hands down. And friend, if you're here tonight and you don't have that assurance in your heart, my prayer for you is you'll get that assurance tonight. Listen, listen. The Bible says that we are all sinners. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark. That means the best deed you ever do, the, the, the best day you ever live still falls short. That's why we can't get to heaven by our good works or by our good living. You can't behave your way into heaven. The Bible, and I'm paraphrasing now, the Bible says we're basically nothing but no good for nothing, dirty, rotten sinners who deserve God's judgment in hell. And that's the truth about the human race. Amen? Until you recognize that, you can't even be saved. You can't even be saved. You won't be saved until you recognize that. Acknowledge, God, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I deserve death. I deserve judgment. And then what do you do? You repent, the Bible says. There's no salvation without repentance. There's sure a lot of preaching without repentance, but there's no salvation without repentance. And repentance is a change of mind about your sin, about yourself, about God, and it means to turn. You're willing to turn from your sins and from yourself and turn to Christ. Would you be willing to repent tonight? And then thirdly, you've got to believe. You've got to trust Christ. Place your faith in him, believing that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. That's why he died. He, he shed his blood. He was the perfect, sinless sacrifice, and he died to pay the penalty for your sin. He was buried. He rose again on the third day to give you life. So would you trust him tonight? If you trust him, then the Bible says you need to personally receive him. John 1, 12 says, To those that received him, to them he gave power to become children of God. You've got to personally receive Christ. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. So tonight, friend, you could be saved. Tonight, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here tonight and you don't have assurance of salvation and eternal life. I'd like to pray a simple and a brief prayer, and I'm going to pray out loud, and I'm going to invite anybody here tonight. You don't have assurance of heaven and eternal life. Just right there where you're seated, why don't you pray with me right now if you'd like to be saved. I can't do it for you, but I can certainly lead you and just say something like this. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm lost, and I want to be saved. And God, right now, I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And Lord Jesus, right now, I surrender my life completely to you. Completely. Come into my life. Save my soul. Forgive me of my sin and change my life. Thank you for saving me tonight.
Help me to live the rest of my life for you and help me to never be ashamed of you starting tonight. In Jesus' name, as our heads are still bowed and eyes are closed, Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. That means if you confess him before others publicly. Every person Jesus called, he called publicly. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Those are his words. Every person Jesus called, he called them publicly. Jesus died publicly on a cross for you. And I wonder if there'd be anybody here tonight, you say, man, I prayed that little simple prayer of repentance and faith with you a moment ago, and I truly met it in my heart. I want to surrender my life to Christ as my Lord and Savior tonight. If anybody here did that, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. And you ought not be ashamed of your decision. Man, this day of, of people, well, I, yeah, I'm not going to go out and walk down an aisle. I'll wait till after the service and, and talk to them. Okay, you can do that. But listen, we need to quit being ashamed of Christ. Amen? And I wonder, is anybody here tonight, you prayed that prayer with me and you asked Christ in your life, anybody just slip your hand up and then put it back down. Anybody tonight said, I asked Jesus to save me just now and I met it, preacher. I met it. I'm trusting him not only to be my Savior, but to be my Lord. All right? Secondly.